This episode of Bradley's House Podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at HeyGoodFarms.com. HeyGood Farms' goal has always been to provide hemp products that improve your quality of life. And their process is really the difference maker. HeyGood Farms handles your product from the dirt all the way to delivery. This ensures a top quality product every time. And all their hemp comes from the same process, from the same facility, ensuring consistency in every order. Check out HeyGoodFarms.com. That's H-A-Y-G-O-O-D-F-A-R-M-S.com. And check out their incredible line of gummies, cartridges, oils, skincare, capsules, and even a line of products for our furry friends in the pet care section. The point of using CBD is to make sure that you're not putting bad stuff into your body. So check out HeyGoodFarms.com. You can see their lab results, reviews, and read more about their process and what makes HeyGoodFarms.com the leader in the CBD and hemp industry. We thank Hey Good Farms for sponsoring this podcast and working with the Knoll Family Foundation in getting Bradley's house open to help us in our war against opioids. Hi, this is Tom Buckley with Aspire Counseling Services in San Luis Obispo. And you're listening to Bradley's House Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back. Come on in and make yourself at home as you should when you're a guest in Bradley's house. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. She is the executive director of the Knoll Family Foundation and our host, Ms. Kelly Knoll. Kelly, how you doing today? I'm doing so great today, Jared. Thank you for asking. It's been a, a super busy day. Lots of stuff happening with the foundation right now. I know I keep hinting at it, but some things that we've been working on for the last few months are starting to come together. And I'm looking forward to being able to make some announcements very soon. So this has been a great day. I've been, had a couple Zoom meetings right before this and uh, with the board and some other people. And uh, it's just exciting. You know, we've been at this for almost five years. And now we're finally in a position to start doing something uh, more, you know, and, and making this, this vision a reality. So it's, it's been a good day. Yes, that is awesome. I uh, remember the A-Team, I, like Hannibal, I want to get one of those big cigars and just be like, <laughs> I love it when a plan comes together. It's uh, because it's, it is, you're right, a lot, nice. of, uh, a lot of exciting stuff going on. And uh, I am super excited. I say this all the time. I'm always excited when we get to record a, a new episode of Bradley's House. I'm super excited because I have selected a very special beverage uh, for tonight's. I've got a Yoo-Hoo. How long has it been <laughs> since you've had a Yoo-Hoo? Yoohoo, Kelly. Honestly, okay. I don't know if I've ever had a Yoohoo. All right, now let me tell you the cool thing about Yoohoo is Yoohoo is like it's the anti-chocolate milk. It says on it chocolate drink. There is no milk. There's oh. nothing good in this. This is just like this is one for me. So I like uh, the truth in advertising. At least they don't try to pretend. Yeah, there's no there's no bullshit in here, Kelly. But <laughs> other than the Yoohoo, I am super excited uh, for the house guests that we have lined up today. Kelly, who are we hanging out with in Bradley's house? We always get the greatest guests, and I feel so fortunate for that. Um, just good people that are doing great things, and I think that we have a, a great chance today, too. Uh, in that same vein, of course, today we have with us Todd Foreman. Most people know him as the saxophone player for Sublime, in addition to the 500 other things that he's done. We also have Adrian Young, most known for being the drummer for No Doubt. We're going to get to talk with them about their latest project. And I'm super excited to have them both here with us today. Todd and Adrian, thank you guys for being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Pleasure. Absolutely. We're stoked. We've been looking forward to this. And um, I just kind of want to jump right in, first of all, and then we'll probably go off on 42 million tangents knowing Jarrett. But um, tell us about moxie brothers which is the whole reason we're here it's the project you guys started a few years ago right yeah take it away adrian okay um yeah we uh we started 
We became a production team probably towards the end of 2018. Is that right, Todd? Yes. Yeah. Um, but I've known Todd off and on over the years. We've known each other. You know, I mean, of course, um, no doubt in Sublime, we used to play together in the early 90s quite a bit. And um, and so I you know, would see Todd around um, when we'd cross paths that way. But then um, after college, I think... He, he moved across the street from my oldest best friend. And so I started seeing him hanging around, you know, when I would come over to my buddy's house. Um, and then Todd said, hey, you want to play drums um, on on a couple things I've been working on? And I said, sure. And so I went over to his home studio and played on a couple things. And we just started gelling really, really naturally and really well. And then um, we decided to work on something together like kind of experimenting as producers. I guess that's what we were doing. We didn't really know we were going to be doing that, but we were just kind of vibing. And then all of a sudden it was like, this is awesome. We should keep going and keep going. And then one day we just talked and we said, hey, let's make a partnership and give this thing a go. And so Ooh. now we are the Moxie brothers. And the genesis of the name, where, where, where'd that come from? Besides the obvious definition of Moxie. Is it just, it's completely literal? No, it's, uh, I mean, it's fairly literal, although we spell it wrong. We spell you do, it wrong yes. Why? Yes. <laughs> Maybe just uh, irony? I don't know. But it looked good. Yeah, is that what it is? <laughs> right on. So what are some of the things that you guys have done as Moxie Brothers? Well, we've done about a little over a dozen acts and uh, everything from full bands to individual artists. And we've done full albums and singles. And we've done just about, not every genre, but we've done quite a few. Um, Adrian built has built over the last three years this fantastic studio in his basement um, called the Ruby Red Room. And uh, it's been fantastic to watch his studio grow and his knowledge base grow with that. Um, we early on, we decided to kind of kick off the Moxie brothers by doing a contest uh, sponsored by universal audio, which was a lot of the equipment we started using um, in, in our studios. And we had over 300 submissions to submit a song, an original song that we would then uh, fly out and produce in their hometown um, and the winner was from the Bronx and we were scheduled wow. to go out. I think it was March 17th of 2020. No. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. So it was, a. It, that was kind of a bummer because we were thinking about filming it and, uh, Adrian's oh. brother was going to come out and, and, and film for us. And we were going to kind of do this whole thing. This tra almost like a travelogue show. Yeah. Producing a, a new song. Um, so we ended up having to do that through Zoom, her lead vocal uh, through Zoom. But, um, great, but just not the same. <laughs> yeah, just not the same. So, you know, obviously uh, the pandemic has, 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 you know, put a little bit of a hamper on our progress. But mm. uh, before and since, we've been doing quite a few artists trying to, trying to make our way through the music business. And as you know, it's a big, unwieldy thing, this thing called the music business. So we're kind of, uh, we, we're, we've been learning a lot and, you know getting our chops ready uh for the next level we're planning on um we've been tapped to d score a horror film uh later this year and we're starting to work with more signed artists um who have the backing behind them to do things with their music uh, which is key and uh we're learning how to become producers and players you know we're kind of a, a full service um recording studio where we can help write songs. Uh, oftentimes Adrian will play drums on the tracks uh, and I'll lay down either horns or keys or whatever, whatever's necessary to kind of get the song across the finish line. So we do everything from full songs that are fully done and, and cooked and just need to be produced to starting from scratch on a new song. So we, we, we like that. It's very creative and it, it definitely gets our blood pumping and our creative juices going. I'll bet. Scoring a horror film, huh? Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, one of, again, all these connections between Adrian and I is one of, again, one of Adrian's closest friends growing up uh, recently um, 
they I, I think you guys met I'll let you tell the story Adrian it's your friend well, I hadn't seen him in about 25 years and he came to um, my dad's memorial service and he said hey what do you want to are you uh do you ever think about scoring a horror film and I said no not really or just scoring movies in general yeah and I said but you know let me talk to my partner and see what he thinks I told Todd Todd's like what the fuck? Of course we want to do that. What do you mean? Yes. I said, okay, okay, okay. I called I call my buddy back and I said, yeah, we would be totally interested because my friend had said, hey, we have this horror film. We're about to take a film and we, we, we want to know if you guys want to contribute to it. And I had thought that meant like, oh, maybe they'll take on a couple songs or something or we'll do a couple scenes. We're doing the entire film. Wow. That's awesome. Um, which I knew all along and wanted all along, but I was like, <laughs> yeah. I was like no, Adrian, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle, we can do this. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> I think that's great. You know, it, it is reminiscent of course of like Danny Elfman and Mark Mothersbaugh, these guys who have made great music that we're all so familiar with. And then they transition into scoring. And I think it's really kind of changed the way people see music scoring when they when it's done in a way with you know music that's relatable or or musicians artists that they're they're used to listening to their music and stuff and then it, it kind of brings this awareness to the importance of the background music in a film. Yeah, it's uh, we'll we'll tell you more. Maybe we'll meet next year and tell you how it was. Uh, <laughs> the Have you started yet? Uh, we've done some demos, um, but really we're just. Uh, we're waiting to to meet with the director. They just finished filming and they'll be um, editing for the next few months. And then towards the middle to end of summer, we'll have something to look at. And so uh, obviously having the, the visual, not only the visual, but then time locked will allow mm-hmm. us to lay down the music and the proper tempo and, and everything. Mm-hmm. But we've, we, we've been dabbling with different styles and different and, and looking at different genres of, of horror film. Uh, mm-hmm music and there's a lot of great stuff out there and the music is super important obviously with horror films it's not oh, just yeah music, it's the horror sounds right it's crazy i mean adrian found this guy who built a horror sound instrument <laughs> Ooh. which was really cool looking and just did all these crazy sounds that you hear in, in most horror films you know there's kind of uh, is it like a wind instrument or what type of an instrument you know, it's almost like it's like plywood with oh with str- different strings in it and cranks and all sorts of stuff. Oh, so yeah. So we've been we've been researching that. <laughs> Adrian just recently bought a uh, a cello bow. I think uh, that mm. we're going to use. On ah, you got to have a bow in there. Get yeah. that kind of screechy sound when something bad's yeah. about to happen, or when yeah. someone's being stabbed, which is morbid. I should say, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, realistically, that's what you're yeah. looking for, right? Yeah, no, it's, all, it's all in context, you know. Yeah. We're trying to find things that create as much tension as possible. Exactly. And and so far, it's just the two of us, meaning, you know, I'm playing the guitars, Todd's playing the keys. And, you know, at some point, if there's bigger moments, we feel like, okay, this is beyond us. We need to bring in outside players. We absolutely will. But a lot of the time, we're just, we're just like a two-man band. Is that easier, you think, just keeping it simple and... I mean, the two of you are so talented, not to get, I'm not giving you needless flattery. Obviously you guys know that you're so talented. Do you feel like bringing in other people would, would be harder? Cause then you've got more cooks in the kitchen or. No, we're happy to do it. It really depends on what, on the demand of the parts. I mean, like mm. I'm not a great guitar player. So if there, if we need something that's, that, that demands someone who's like, you know, plays in another Specific. role, then we just, yeah, yeah we have no, no problem. We bring in other people. Yeah. So is, is, has Moxie Brothers kind of become your main focus or are you both still working on other side projects? Well, I still have my band Jelly of the Month Club. Uh, yes, you do. We had Mike De La Torre on recently. In 2000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, he's the lead singer and, uh, and guitarist extraordinaire and he, he produces as well. Um, and so that band's still going strong, you know, after all the, all this time and, um, you know, Bud was the original drummer, but because right. living in Reno, we kind of had to fill in for him. And, and, yeah, and, geographically and, undesirable. Yeah, we yeah. played on the first album and 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 really loved the project. And we had Bert Suzanka, uh, the lead singer from the Zegans, sure. the original member. 
and he's since left the band uh, once we started uh, doing bigger shows at Knott's Berry Farm with the Peanuts Gang and yeah. touring a little bit, uh, he bowed out. So, But we have a core group of, uh, of four guys and a fifth keyboard player who's great. And uh, we're just moving along. We're starting to get into music education and are doing, um, I'm sure Mike told you about what we're doing with uh, animated videos and original yes. music for, for pre-K through second graders right now. It's, it's pretty exciting. So we'll see where that goes. But it's, uh, that's obviously a passion project of mine and, and something that, uh, that continuing to see through. Absolutely. Well, and you get to play with Snoopy, which does not suck. It does not suck. Yeah. yeah. We, we pinch ourselves when we're literally <laughs> on stage doing our original music and the Peanuts gang is dancing to our songs. Yeah. That's, really that's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> How about you, Adrian? Do you have any other side projects going right now? Um, at the moment? No. Um, I'm pretty much a studio rat all day long, almost every day. Nice. Um, and, you know, I, I do a majority of the mixing for the songs that we produce. So just the, the, the time consuming part of that will keep me, keep me in the, in the studio quite a bit because Todd, Todd left out another huge part. He's still a physician. I was, I I was going to get to that because (laughs) I'll tell you, Todd, other than being the the co-host of the podcast here, I'm a longtime Sublime fan and uh, just a, a huge passion for the music. And you have saved me so many times in different arguments and debates because, you know, there's other uh, uh, groups of music fans out there. And I think it's safe to say that there was a time where Sublime fans maybe didn't get the fairest rap in the public eye. And, you know, people would be like, ah, sublime bunch of Long Beach bum outs. And I'm like, listen, Dr. Todd's a real fucking doctor. That's not a thing like Dr. Foreman. We got a doctor. So, you know, yeah. So you, uh, there's a lot of times where I was able to, I was able to pull the Dr. Todd card out of my back pocket. So uh, I want to thank you for that. And Bradley's sister's a nurse. So there. Oh my gosh. Mother. (laughs) I think, I think that, yeah, no, it's, it's a woman that says she's Brad's mom. That's a nurse. And she's oh, that's not. right. Oh, oh. I mean, she's a nurse. She's just not our mom. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's too weird. Although I did, there was, I think in Brad's Wikipedia article years ago, it's probably not there now, but it used to say that his sister had dated Jack Johnson. And I felt, I felt, you know, the 80s are a bit of a blur. I'm not going to lie, but I really feel like I'd remember if I dated Jack Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Mud, Mud thought Sugar Ray was your cousin. yeah lots of fun stories going on there yeah so obviously yeah obviously the the sublime connection which you know is why we have this show and um raising money to help people who are struggling with similar situations as brad um so i think our listeners would be remiss if we didn't ask you both about your you know past experiences with sublime of course adrian you mentioned already that No Doubt played quite a bit with Sublime coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like in the early years for you guys? Oh, well, there's a funny story. We played at, uh, and I would I would be in college, and I'd come back every summer and play with Sublime. So after my freshman year of college is the first time I played with Sublime, and that was 1989. And um, I just came in, and it was a backyard party in Belmont Shore. And... Um, just got to know the guys and then every summer I'd come back and the guys would still be playing and we'd still be getting better and better. And uh, by the time I graduated, our first album had came out and uh, we were playing, we're opening for no doubt for one of their album release parties at the whiskey. And we were backstage and the dichotomy between the no doubt green room and the sublime green room couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be more black and white it was unbelievable like you go into no. this whack smoke no i mean who, who would say but uh you know if, if anyone you know i i've heard other guys in long beach say that sublime should have they did everything that you shouldn't do to make mm. it in the music business and still made it you know mm. 
And if you're if you if you could kind of float between those two rooms, you'd go, "What? Okay, which band is gonna <laughs> is gonna be successful here?" Um, and and I'll leave it at that. But uh, it was so professional when you walk into the no doubt dressing room. Everybody's like either practicing their parts or drinking water or just having a high level conversations. And it, it was just such a breath of fresh air. I, I, I kind of find, <laughs> find myself gravitating towards that green room, but then I'd go back and then revel in what that sublime energy was, which was really just wanton abandon of um, expression of emotion and individuality and punk rock and um, leaving it all out there on the stage. And, and it, it was great. It, it was kind of neat to have, those two bands come up the way they did together because yeah. I think they were kind of a yin and a yang of the, of the Southern California music scene at the time. Mm. Of the ones who, who took it very seriously and the other ones who were maybe well, not. You know, it, I, it, it wasn't that the guys in Sublime didn't take it seriously. I mean, it, it was their life, you know, sure. it was music. They just kind of approached it in a different way. Right. You know? Right. Um, but it was it was so neat to get back into Sublime with Rome when that whole thing started happening. I, I started just showing up at Eric's house on uh, on every Tuesday night, just knock on the door, you know, because he wasn't answering his phone. <laughs> and about about half the time or 75 percent, he'd open up and we would jam for a while. And that's when I really kind of started to appreciate what Sublime was, what what the influences were, what the backstories were. And I mean, these guys, they, they're musical geniuses. They definitely had um, a way to integrate so many different influences that I don't think is an easy task to do and then redigest them as something new. Um, so just to being able to appreciate that at an older age um, makes me go, makes me want to relive it again. You know, it'd be so great to go back to my 20 year old self and, and <laughs> understand what we were doing, you know? Right. Right. Do you guys find that the experiences that you both had um, coming up in the music industry really informs the work that you do now? I mean, I would imagine when people come to you for, you know, production or songwriting or whatever it is that you're doing, uh, you obviously have this whole background of experience. Does that, does that color the way that you work with people now? I would say yes, for sure. I, I, I would say one of the things that we wanted to do as the Moxie brothers, which we thought maybe we were a little different than other producers is our job as mentors. Uh, Adrian's, you know, been mm. a rock star his whole life practically, or at least half of it. Um, and so he's got just a wealth of experience uh, on all levels with, you know, producing, uh, Grammy winning albums and top 10 singles and traveling the world and playing the Super Bowl, getting every award imaginable and understanding what all that takes uh, as a human being. Um, I think that's a that's just a, a, a trove of information, a library of information to, that uh, our artists that we work with can can rely on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, I have kind of a varied background with different things and sometimes even my doctoring helps. So, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, the, it's, there's so much more than just, are you talented? Can you make music? I mean, there's the, I would imagine that the, the experiences that you guys have would color so much of what you're able to bring to the table with Moxie brothers, because you do have that, that rich history. And there are so many talented people that never, are able to make their mark in the music industry. And, you know, every now and then we see people that, that seem maybe not as talented that do make it. So there's so much more than just talent is what I'm getting at in the music oh, industry. And, that's, and I would, yeah, imagine- that's the main thing we, 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 we've seen thus far. Cause a lot of the early artists that we were producing, everyone needs a Mike Happel who, who, when he right. kind of came into I the sublime camp, then he kind of, Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's fact at this point. I mean, he he came in and really organized the guys and got Brad yes. focused on on what the goals are and set them forth. Right. And if you don't have someone like that in your corner all the time, trying to work at every level of the music business, then you're not going to get any traction. It's just not going to happen. 
Right. You have to be a musician, an artist and a business person yeah. and you know, wear all these different hats, which I think a lot of people don't realize when they first go into the industry. That's right. The talent is definitely not enough, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And in some cases, <laughs> and in some cases, no talent at all. I don't know. Right. Yeah, you know, hey, uh, yeah, it depends who's back. luck <laughs> at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Labor under correct knowledge. Exactly. Makes a difference. Yeah. So where do you guys want to go? I mean, do you have a bigger a bigger vision for where you want to take Moxie Brothers for, for what where you'd like to be in, you know, 10 years and the kinds of things you want to be doing? Or are there any particular projects that you guys want to accomplish well i want no doubt to go back on the road that's what i want <laughs> yeah let's just take a moment for ab to chuckle at that <laughs> i don't see that happening anytime in the near future but um uh well i it's because of you adrian you're the one holding out because of the the horror film all, yeah <laughs> that's what's happening here it's all because that's of right. Norman. yeah yes. it's my fault everyone give the people what they want adrian <laughs> Uh, I, I do want to say that, um, yeah, I think, I mean, overall, our goals are to be doing this full time, you know, as we age and, um, you know, have to expand because we're getting too much work. That would be wonderful. Mm. But I, I, I will say that one of the accomplishments that we've kind of already got under our belt, which is something that we're very proud of, is that we co-produced um, and mixed and played on. Um, the latest Still Pulse single. Which is oh, right. And, uh, you know, being a, a, a childhood admirer of those guys, uh, that, that, was a, that was a really, really big deal. Yeah, they're huge. I mean, to be able to work with a classic act like that. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what's the name of that single you guys worked on? It's it, called Only, it One, Only World. One World. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Sorry. the title changed a few times, so that's fine. Did it? Yeah. I was frantically Googling as I asked you the question. Yeah. Well, I, I got in late from Boston last night, so I'm a little fried. <laughs> oh, we appreciate yeah. you duking it out with us. Yeah. So by only way, one world. Yeah. By the way, uh, Todd said that, you know, no doubt was just like drinking water and talking and stuff. <laughs> it didn't always stay that way. <laughs> <laughs> we, we let him go with that. We, Wait, we let that slide. Sublime. Come on, just a kinder, gentler machine gun hand. Oh, yeah. I have no doubt. By a lot, but there was definitely. De oh, are you on a podcast? Yes, I am. <gasps> yeah. Now you're on a podcast. Introduce yeah. yourself. Come on back. Get get in here. I've been interrupting all his podcasts. Okay, awesome. well, let's get that sucker out of your mouth and tell us your name. Magnolia. Awesome. Hi, Magnolia. How old are you? How old are you? Uh, 10. 10. I would have guessed at least 12. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which, you know. I got home from Boston last night. I can ruin another podcast. Yeah. Are you in the beginning? Uh, we're in the middle. You're dressed properly. I know yeah. she dressed up for the uh, podcast. Yeah. We like, <laughs> we like the formal attire there, Magnolia. Well done. She tied her own tie there, I can see. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what flavor of lollipop you got there? I think like strawberry. It's a dum-dum. Oh. oh. Remember dum-dums? Of course. Yeah. Anybody who went trick-or-treating anywhere in Southern California remembers dum-dums. Oh, yeah. That was like half the half the bag of loot at the end of the night yeah when i leave do you want me to close the door uh sure that'd be awesome okay. thank you well i'm not moving yet okay <laughs> i'll let you interrupt uh, more so yeah um to finish that thought the uh the the, the booze and weed definitely bye, we're we're present bye magnolia <laughs> we're present yeah yeah never to the level of what um, Todd was describing Sublime, but yeah, we right. Well, they were overachievers in that area. <laughs> they, they did what they could. Now, Adrian, were you around for the recording session for Total Hate? Yeah, we were all in the room. Any uh, any memories of of Brad doing that verse? How did it go? Is it a yeah. typical Sublime story, or so was he it? He came with Miguel, and. Um... It was def it started slow and it was kind of he was kind of rambling 
trying to find his footing on what he was going to sing about or what he was, you know, finding a rhythm. Because he didn't have anything that was predetermined or pre-written. No. Um, and so we already had the music recorded for the bridge of that song or for the entire song. And so he started riffing. It was kind of loosey-goosey. But then he and Miguel would go have a powwow in the next room, smoke some weed probably, talk about the song a little bit more. And he'd get back on the mic and all of a sudden then there was some magic happening. And that's when we all kind of looked at each other like, oh, shit. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Now this thing's starting to go. And, um, you know, what ended up being on that song was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, now, it's not very often that we well, – I shouldn't say that. We've had our fair share. But we don't often get guests that had an opportunity to, to be around Brad and, and play shows with him as much and, and know. When you hear a Sublime song, because you can't get away from it in today's society. So when you're walking through Target and you hear Santeria playing – What's the first thing you think about when the name Bradley Knowles mentioned? I automatically go back to the early 90s and that feeling of being a part of, I guess what's called a scene. Um, and, you know, because we probably played together, I don't know, at least half a dozen times, maybe more. And, um, and also, you know, I would... I didn't live in Long Beach at the time, but I was born in Long Beach, so I would kind of come in and out, and I'd see those guys at the Reno room, and so there was just a familiarity. It was just part of, you know, being a, a young adult in the early 90s, and so I just always go back to that time. Awesome. That's awesome. Kelly, earmuffs. Uh, Brad and Gwen, did it ever go down? Nope. Shit. La, 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 la. I don't want to hear about it. She I don't did want to love my brother's sex life. <laughs> Yeah, they did love of each course. other. I, I remember them seeing, we were playing a gig and, and Gwen was there in, in the parking lot and they just, it, they must have had, hadn't seen each other in a few weeks or months and they just had this really long embrace. So you could tell that they had a mutual understanding of what it was what it was going to take to make it as a lead singer in a band. And um, I'm sure they talked about that. There um, had to have been a, a tremendous camaraderie yeah. In that time, you know, as as young up and coming bands, all of you guys making it in the Southern California music scene at the same time. I mean, there was so much overlap, so many shows you played together, you know, the, the music on the radio and the uh, just all of it. I mean, it was it was definitely a special time for sure. But to be able to be going through that together, I think will be something that will always leave a mark on all of you. Hundred percent. But I, I will say that I got a better hug embrace from Bradley than Gwen did because after we played the show together in Aspen he and I were playing pool in the bar as partners we won a game I swear he hugged me for like a minute he was so <laughs> elated I was elated too it was, it was a big win it was bigger than the gig <laughs> good for you Adrian <laughs> priorities now D Dr. Todd oh god I'm sorry, Todd. I'm so used to referring to you as Dr. Todd within the circle of sublime. All right, Todd. Um... Patients call me that too because my partner was my mom for a long time. So it was Dr. Gene and Dr. Todd. So Oh, that's I'm awesome. I didn't know that. What kind of medicine do you practice, Todd? Family practice. Nice. Yeah. Where is your practice? In Orange County? Yep. It's in Newport Beach by Hogue Hospital. Oh, right on. Awesome. Now, I got to ask you the same question, because uh, you obviously spent uh, more time uh, with Bradley and got to, to be around him. Um, when you see a sublime poster hanging up in the mall or a kid walk by with a, a Bradley Knoll T-shirt, is there a specific memory or something? What do you think about? Well, uh, it's it's one thing to kind of see the 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 t-shirts and random people wearing the, the sublime stuff but when your kids start wearing it like my son has a sublime poster in his room um you realize what the music means to people um and that's what i got when i went back on tour with the band in 2010 with sublime with rome we we really got i remember at the end of our first mini tour we were in virginia and uh backstage i saw uh, another hug, uh, Bud and Eric just kind of embrace and just 
say they did it, you know, and just to realize all of the the hard work and all of the trials and tribulations that had gone on over the years and the loss of Brad, that they, the music survived. The music is still there and it still is making an impact on, on young people uh, through its messages as mixed as they are. Um, Brad was a complex person um, and he was an interesting filter because he was not only a parrot. I mean, he, if he heard something he liked, he, he wouldn't forget it. And he would not only not forget it, but he would use it. And that's why, you know, that first album had so many, so many references with, uh, from other bands and pieces and bits from this and that. I think it was a nightmare for the lawyers to figure out. <laughs> yeah, it was. Eventually songs didn't make it. Rawhide was out. They had to <laughs> switch around, get out. It, yeah, you're right. It was... But I mean, I'm still, even today, I, I'm hearing things in the Sublime songs that are echoes of other songs, you know, so. So it wasn't just him, you know, kind of taking in everything, but the way he would put it out there um, with such a, a ferocity and intensity. He, it, you know, when I was playing mainly with him, we were up and coming and we'd be playing dive bars uh, on a Sunday night in Huntington Beach or something. And it didn't matter. Brad was the same. He was the same performer and artist. If he was singing and playing alone by himself, he'd be putting all of his energy, almost like a channel uh, through him. And you don't see that a lot with, with, with artists. Um, and when you do, it's something special. And he could just, the way he crafted his vocals and the way he played his guitar and the way he moved and the way he sweated uh, through what he was trying to say, he really was trying to say something through the music and not just be playing a, a lovely tune, you know? Um that's something that I take away from from Brad is that he uh, he was a true artist and his passion was I don't think I've ever seen anything like it since. Yeah, that goes without say. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we have so many Sublime fans that that tune in. So I I would have to ask you about that kind of stuff. And, yeah, and I uh, think that's why it lasts too, because he poured everything. Everyone knows when he sang a song, it was a hundred percent, not a hundred percent. He didn't yeah. overdo it. It was just what he was feeling at that moment, and that's a that's a freedom yeah. that a lot of people, a lot of musicians, even you think musicians are just so outgoing and so uh carefree no most musicians are these tortured uh people who who have a hard time getting on stage or a hard time sharing their right. emotions or their feelings and brad figured that out at an early point and just put push the gas down you know all the way on that and i i really appreciate that when i see that in other artists too yeah. I think it required a certain sense of vulnerability that is difficult in in everyday life, let alone in, in performing or being an artist of any kind. And I think his willingness to just be vulnerable and leave it all out there is what resonates with people and why it's still so relevant. Yeah, today. and it's different than just a lot of energy or just giving it all. Right. It, that vulnerability is really about being in the moment, being in right. touch with who you are and where you've been and where you're going. And that's that's a unique gift. I think. I'd like to add to that just for a second, please. I, I, I sure. forgot about this. Um, so, Tom Dumont, um, who plays guitar, no doubt, used to book bands in this tiny little lounge called <laughs> Cattleman's Wharf. I think it was called Wharf. In, yeah, in Anaheim, next to Disneyland. Uh huh. Yeah. And, uh, and so we lived in a band house across the street, so we were in there all the time. And one of the nights, he had Bradley in there by himself with a, just maybe an acoustic guitar or maybe an electric, but just by, him by himself with a guitar. And this place held like 100 people max. And so what you're describing there, Todd, about just giving it everything, you know, in a matter of the circumstance, and this was like a super intimate um, uh, gig, I guess you could say, and I think that everybody that was in that room felt like they were privileged to be there to to, to see to see a super raw performance that um, that just and and that and, you know especially 
after all the success and everything else, like everybody was there is going to remember that. Yeah. Do you think, do you think he has any footage of it? And does he have any need for a left arm? Because that is what I would trade to, to see and or hear that footage. Um, I think it might exist. I, I, I don't know, but it, it, why do I feel like it does? Uh-huh. I, I don't know. Uh, isn't that where they took most of the the um, acoustic album from, Jarrett? You would probably oh, know that. It was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but I don't know if there's any like footage. I don't. Know no, 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 any... not video, but as far yeah, as the audio, I think. Oh no, yeah, there's a... there's audio. I th- I don't know if most of it, but some of acoustic and friends is mm-hmm. uh, is that worth performance. But I, there's never any video. There's no video phones back then. No, there were no no, phones. no, no video cameras. No, so it's no cell guys, phones. You infant. <laughs> This is something that I ask. Uh, there were cell phones. Listen, I Zach Morris had a cell phone. That was like ninety four. He had a giant brick. Don't um, ninety four so, though. This would have been like early nineties. This would have had to been nine. No, this was probably ninety three or ninety four. Was it all right? Probably ninety three. Yeah. Um. So, Doctor Todd, for obviously the diehard fans are very familiar, um, but for the casual Sublime fan, everybody knows, you know, Bud and, and Eric and Brad. Uh, what songs do we hear Doctor Todd on, and what are you doing? Uh, I'm playing mainly uh, alto saxophone. There's one song I play Barry sax on, a song about the riots. Uh, yeah, that's you do. One song. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the one song that I'm on the self-titled album, and the rest of the tunes. Uh, were from the 40 ounces of freedom uh song uh, chica mi tipo and uh, date rape mm-hmm. uh, along with a couple other horn players and um what happened and uh there's like four or five i think on the on the 40 ounces that i play on and then um i did a song the um the hong kong fooey tune they they called me in out of med school class to go head up a horn section on that song which was really fun yeah Priorities. that was an awesome awesome day i was in like uh pharmacy pharmacy class in the morning and then come in about noon to uh studio off of uh, sunset boulevard uh, <laughs> <laughs> the smoke was just immediate just poof and i don't know what's uh, cooler they asked or you said yes right yeah, yeah. both you know <laughs> and that was the thing uh, being a sax player which was great was that I could, they loved having me, but they could also obviously move forward with their career without me. Um, so, and it was, it was a really hard choice at times to um, think about, Hey, maybe I should really, you know, pour myself into music and kind of lay off school for a while. But um, I'm glad I did both. Um, in the end, uh, I was able to scratch Scratch that itch with Sublime Throne in 2010. Um, I, I obviously wish Brad was still here, and who knows what would have happened um, with him still here. But it really was an opportunity for me to understand my place, not only in the band but in music, and to to really get back into it. Um, but uh, back to the, the songs, uh, you know, one thing that's out on on a side album is called form and freestyle um where that was just the night we were in a studio in redondo beach uh total access and we just started jamming and someone hit the recording button and that 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 song came out yeah that's on the everything under the sun compilation and it is super badass (laughs) thanks well you know we were all just freewheeling and especially me but um one thing that I really appreciate, like I said, he, he was willing to go anywhere. He was totally free to try anything. And that's what, uh, you know, in other bands and other artists that I see is this reticence, this reluctance to speak and um, and just start jamming and go. You know, it was great. I love that. The music scene in Southern California in the late 80s, early 90s was so vibrant. I mean, it, it still is now, but there's. I think with the digital age, you know, it's so much easier to make music air, whereas the the time and place where you both came up in your careers was such a, 
an iconic time. And maybe I just feel that way because <laughs> where when I grew up, but but I think it's really incredible that you both managed to set yourselves apart from all the others. Because, you know, as I said earlier, there's there's so much talent in the music industry that never makes it. But especially at that time, I mean, it was just, there was so much going on. And to be able to synthesize it down to a sound that really connected with people, I think you both were able to do that with with the different music that you guys were playing uh, that obviously was a part of the same scene. But um, it's really impressive that you guys were able to, in, in both of your endeavors, kind of rise above all the rest as sort of, you know, the cream of the crop or, you know, whether it's, it's the opportunities that were presented or you guys just happened to be in the right place at the right time with the right talent. There's just so much that goes into to making a music career happen. But to be able to be a part of that has got to be very satisfying, I would imagine, for you both. That, you know, with in the midst of all that, with so many talented people coming up, that you were able to reach out and connect with a whole generation of people. And then it continues on through multiple generations. What an incredible feeling that must be. It, it is. And especially, uh, and I think this applies to both bands, like, I don't think it was very likely or going to be very likely that our bands were going to be wildly successful. Like just, it just never, that didn't even seem like a possibility. You know, it, I mean, yeah, even though we were signing stuff, we weren't being groomed. I can't speak for sublime level, but we weren't being groomed to be superstars. Like that, that just, it, it, it just blows my mind that it even happened. Yeah, it, it's it's so I think on that level it it makes it even sweeter, you know. Mm-hmm. Because we were playing because we love playing, right? We were going to do, do it no matter what, right? It and okay, I, it did work out okay. But I think that's the biggest difference. Like a lot of times, people ask me, "Did you know that Brad was going to be so big? Did you, you know, did you guys feel it?" Like I think there was just a sense of enjoying the moment, enjoying the music, being being a part of it, but it didn't have to be anything more than that. Like you said, you weren't being groomed. It's not like you guys were, were created by a producer that was, was trying to make a band happen. You just were making the music that you wanted to make. And, um, and somehow it, it touched a chord, not only in the community around you, but, you know, obviously globally that really resonates to this day, which is a really, really big deal. It is. I still have to pinch myself. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, you- Adrian, how old how old were you when No Doubt really blew up? Um, let's see. So the band started... 89? 87. The very beginning of 87. And... Um, we are the first time we had a song on the radio, which was just a girl, was 1995. So I was, I was uh, 20, 26. What was the first thing you spent that sweet, sweet just a girl money on? Did you go buy a big fancy car? Did you get a Rolex? Um, Did you buy mom well, a crib? What'd you do, Adrian? I, the first thing I bought at the end of our first arena tour. Um, I'm actually looking at it right now. Um, I bought a 1997 Mercedes and it's still sitting in my driveway. Yes, I That's love that. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. I love that. I I, I ask. I, I have a, a disc golf podcast, a professional disc golf podcast, and um, I know it sounds crazy, but these guys are making big money now, and they're all kids. And I ask them, and they're all just buying the craziest shit. That, Yo, yeah, I got a <laughs> got a Maserati, and I went and bought it, and I'm just like, man. So it, that's that's become one of my one of my questions on there. And I thought, well, I gotta I'm gonna pop it on Adrian here and see if he did, <laughs> see if he did something crazy with it. But it sounds it's like cars. It sounds like yeah. you made a smart. It sounds like you made a smart move, and you held on to it forever. That, that thing doesn't owe you a thing. No, it doesn't. Adrian, do you remember where you were the first time you saw a no doubt bumper sticker on a car? No. Um, well, <laughs> to tell you that, to be honest, I, I had one before I was in the band. Uh, what? 
Yeah, because I was going to ska shows. Like I would, I'd go to Fender's Ballroom in Long Beach, sure, in 1987, and I would watch No Doubt open for Fishbone or The Untouchables, and and so because I didn't join the band until 1989. Okay, um, and so I was just a kid in the scene. Nice high school. Well, now you got to tell us. I mean, two years. How did a, you had a bumper sticker on the car, and then you ended up being their drummer? How did this go down? Um, so, well, when first I drummer heard, was the shits. No, he was good, but I, I just, I heard <laughs> through the word of mouth that he was, he was out, and mm. but this is before No Doubt had made any records or done any tours yet, right? Um, but they had played a lot of local shows. And I was at quite a few of them myself. And so um, I I was asked, do I want to try out? And I shit myself and I said, yeah. But the problem <laughs> is I'd only been playing drums about a year and a half at that point. And everybody wow. everybody in the band was already pretty good with the, yeah. their instruments. And so I just learned there was like a, a demo tape that was kind of passed around locally. And I just learned it the best I could. Um, and I tried out and they picked me, but I told them I'd been playing since for eight years. Damn right. You did. <laughs> and, um, and then I'm sorry. Then after they picked me, I told them, I said, I got to confess to you guys that I've only been playing a year and a half. And, uh, they were like, Whoa. So I, they could have taken that two ways, you know. Right. Well, they, they could have, and I, I, you know, to to be transparent, those first, you know, couple shows, even first couple of years, like, I compared to the rest of the band, I was shitty, and I was playing catch up the whole time, and um, that you know, there was a couple times where it's like, oh my god, man, I'm I'm holding these guys back. I gotta I gotta go, I gotta dig deeper. I gotta practice harder, and. Um, I kind of never stopped. I just kept practicing, kept practicing, kept practicing. And, you know, next thing I know, I've played on 50-something albums and sitting here talking to you guys. Yeah, but you like telling the story, you locked yourself in a room basically for a year. Yeah, I did. I did. That is amazing. And that's that's the dedication. And I love that because I'll tell you, uh, I've had a few podcasts over the years. I had a podcast with Jose Canseco, uh, a former Major League Baseball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had a podcast with a former WWE superstar, Al Snow. And that was actually my first podcast. And when I got off the phone with him after our first phone call and he agreed to do a podcast, I hung up the phone and I was like, holy shit, how do you do a podcast? Like, how does this, like, what, what do I need? How does, I got to find somebody that knows how to turn, because I can have a conversation, but I need to find somebody who knows how to turn this thing into like a real podcast. I could barely log into my computer. Um, so yeah, I had same thing. I was like, he was like, can you handle this? I was like, yeah, man, I have producers and engineers and we've got frequencies and, you know, don't worry about it. So well, I like that. Jared, you share that same, that same gene, that same crazy gene that we have where, Someone says, oh, you want to score this movie? Hell yeah. <laughs> that's why I loved it. That's why I thought yeah. it was awesome that you guys, yeah. or, because that's me. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, you, you, you know, it's it, it, everything in life. My dad used to say it's be, do, have. You have to be who you want to be first before you do the things that that person does to have the thing. And so you have to be in touch with what you want in life. And once you get that, that's a very powerful thing. Uh, and then the yeses and nos are automatic. And I think that's how Adrian operates. And um, that's how I played in Sublime in the first place. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And you guys, you know, those are both uh, amazing stories. Like I said, you know, Todd, I've always, you know, like, dude, Dr. Todd is a doctor man so like he was he was recording these albums and playing at these and he's like you know he's doctoring and shit so um that's you've always been my you've always been my go-to for years in the scene and uh i think it's absolutely awesome that uh that you and adrian uh, are able to hook up because of the the ridiculous roots between the bands that that go all the way back now 
Here's the problem, guys. Uh, being a huge fan of No Doubt and, and Sublime, I could go on for hours. Um, but I, I think if uh, if I stop now, maybe I can convince you both to come back and, and talk to us a little bit, especially as that horror film is uh, is getting going. Sure. Yes. Um, yeah, just on that note, I want to add one more thing uh, just to bring it back full circle. Um, we are about to meet up with Jacob Knoll in the studio. Mm. Yeah. And uh work on some of his new songs and um and wow. just make that connection. Yeah, tomorrow, uh Tuesday. And stoked. I am so excited to um to be creative with him. He's got so much great energy. He reminds me of Brad so much. Right? Uh oh yeah. And um it's just another chapter in this musical experience we're all having together through our lifetimes it's for me it's come and gone and come back and um taken some interesting turns so it's fantastic for all you young musicians out there if you you know i i, I think everyone's a musician it's just a matter of opportunity and space mm. and time and um i think that you can always have create a space for for having some creativity in your life, whether it's art or music or what have you. I think it's a, it's a fantastic endeavor and I'm just so happy to be able to do it with, uh, with someone like Adrian and, and uh, experience it all. It's great. That is do you awesome. Guys, do you guys have uh, like a, a dream project that you'd like to do? Mm, dream project. Dream project. You stumped me because. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you know there's there's always gradations of success in in the music business mm. and as yeah. producers, you know, we we can think of we can think of a lot of things. <laughs> but uh having a full uh uh the full backing of a major record label on a major artist I think would be something that we would be uh thrilled about. But we're thrilled now. We're thrilled doing what we're doing now. We we love the music we're creating. Again, it's a matter of of who's behind it and what's the plan with it. Uh, that's what really determines the success, but we've already had the success. You know, I remember Eric Wilson saying, you know, when they, they played with uh, bad brains once at a bar in Long Beach, he's like, that, that was it. He's like, that was the goal. Mm, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, or anything. Yeah, Done. <laughs> you know, so, so that's it. So what else is there? You know, everything else is there is just kind of the icing on the cake. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's a general goal. Absolutely. Well, I think the fact that you guys have such rich histories in the music business really puts you in a unique place to to kind of usher in the next the next phase, the next uh, iteration of that whole reggae rock genre that you know both No Doubt and Sublime helped to usher in. So I think it's great that you're doing this, and of course, anybody who wants to see. Uh, what you guys are doing and get more information can go to moxiebrothers.com. As you said, that's moxie with a Y, M-O-X-Y brothers.com. Thank you guys so much for being with us. We really appreciate you taking the time. And we're stoked to hear the the horror film score and uh, all the, all the great stuff that's going to come out of this. And as Jarrett said, we hope you guys will come back and share with us the new stuff that's happening. Absolutely. Right on. Well, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so thank much, you. guys. And keep doing what you're doing with the Noel Family Foundation. That's awesome, Kelly. You're thank doing you, Todd. a fantastic job. And we I all really support you 100%. That. Yeah. Thank you so much. It means a lot. You got it. Kelly, I could have went on for hours with Dr. Todd and Adrian. It was so amazing to have them on and to hear their story. Um, a year and a half. Adrian's playing the drums and he gets the gig for no doubt. Right. They were so much fun to talk with. Very cool of them to take the time and really cool hearing all the stories and the behind the scenes. Hopefully we can have them back on again soon to hear about the horror film. I'm looking forward to that scoring. A film is no joke. That's, that's hardcore stuff. No, no, I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that they are the type of people that, uh, you know, much like myself that are, Hey, can you do this? Yeah, I could probably do that. Of course. <laughs> sure. Of, of course I can. Uh, speaking speaking of which, if you're interested in seeing Jacob Noel or Ras One at a location near you, go ahead and email Jarrett at pillarmusicgroup.com. Um, 
you know, just nice to... commercial, but yes, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Can I get them booked? Fuck. Yeah, I can sign me up. Let's do this thing. Um, <sighs> So yeah, I, I uh, it was so amazing to have them on and uh, a, a real treat. I'm sure everybody that was listening uh, enjoying it as much as we enjoyed doing it. But guys, you know why we're doing this, and I talk about it every week. And of course, that is to support the Knoll Family Foundation in the efforts to get Bradley's house up and open. You can visit the org or just look for the link tree in the description of this show. It'll get you to all things Knoll Family Foundation. You can find out how you can get yourself an awesome shirt or hat, uh, some cool merch that will, uh, every dollar goes directly towards getting the, uh, uh, to getting Bradley's house up and open. And, uh, of course, sharing the podcast with a friend, it goes a long way, guys. Thank you so much. Kelly and I see all of the comments. We get all of the emails. If you guys have any emails or suggestions, or you want to hear your brand or upcoming event featured on Bradley's house podcast, you can reach out to us either on Facebook or at Bradley's house podcast at gmail.com Kelly uh, we got so much stuff going on I know we keep saying that to you guys but guys I swear there's some shit going on right now Uh, but what we could definitely talk about right now is another festival we I'm so excited Brindy one of our board members and the person that everybody meets when they come to the events just came over we packed up all of our merch boxes for cali roots we're getting so excited and pumped for the show next month in may of course that's going to be may 26th through 29th in monterey you can grab your tickets at californiarootsfestival.com it's going to be four days of music and pure awesomeness the lineup is just Okay, guys, if you like any of the music from this genre, they're they're there. They're all there. Yeah, it is. uh, Dan has just done such an amazing job. And uh, for those of you who are going to be going out to uh, Cali Roots, if you want to hear more about Cali Roots and how the whole thing got started from the beginning, you can go back and find our episode with Dan Sheehan in the archives, uh, YouTube, Bradley's House Podcast, or on any of the platforms that you're listening to. Anna, make sure that all those shows stay up so you can always go back and check them out. Um, but Dan kind of shared the the whole story of how Cali Roots got started and, and how it was this, this little thing. And now it is just this massive entity of just awesomeness and i am so excited for it and if you guys are going to be there stop by the Knoll family foundation booth um kelly and anna will be working hard and i will you know i'll be there too so Thanks so much <laughs> yeah i'll i'll also be there um so uh make sure you stop by the booth and uh and get some Knoll family foundation merch pick up a sticker say hello uh it's always awesome when uh when you guys do that Kelly, I'm uh, so I'm pumped up. Cali Roots is coming. We had an awesome show today. Uh, we were talking a little bit about because everybody knows that when you're on your way out of Bradley's house, you leave with a tune. Um, and between Adrian and Dr. Todd, I mean, <laughs> the list of hits that they've been a part of is uh, yeah. it goes on. It goes on forever. But because we talked about it in this uh, particular episode uh, from the Everything Under the Sun compilation album that uh, Sublime put out, the Rarities version, this is the Foreman Freestyle, one of my favorites on that album. Guys, until next time, I'm Jared Orr. She is Kelly Noel. You don't have to go home, but... It's time to leave Bradley's house. Nice and low, bud guy. Nice and low. <laughs>